All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Languages Week 2023. I'm your host, Georgie McComb from Radio Monash, and this entire week is in collaboration with the Monash School of Languages, Literature, Culture and Linguistics. Throughout the week, we will be sharing interviews from both the dedicated teaching staff and students who will then elaborate a bit more and tell us more about studying a language and engaging in the culture. Alongside these interviews, we will be playing music from all around the world, from Spanish to French to Japanese, you name it, we've got it. And if you want to learn a little bit more about uh, what time things are airing, please check out our social medias and our website. But all the way from the Monash Intercultural Lab is Jim to talk a bit more about the Monash Intercultural Lab. So what is the Monash Intercultural Lab? And do you want to introduce yourself and how you're a part of it? Thank you very much, Georgie. So my name is Jim Klavich. I'm in the Monash Intercultural Lab. Um, I'm a senior lecturer. I work really in the interpreting area of the Masters and Interpreting and Translation Studies. Uh, I'm a practicing interpreter myself, and I'm a researcher of interpreting and also translation. Uh, the Monash Intercultural Lab is, is pretty big. It encompasses a lot of things. It encompasses the area that I'm in, namely translation and interpretation. It also encompasses intercultural communication, it encompasses sport, uh, it also encompasses um, the Bachelor of Global Studies. So there were probably, amongst the 12 colleagues that are in the, the lab, we cover um, half a dozen areas. Um, we don't actually, any of us, uh, formally teach languages. That's left to our colleagues in the respective Asian or European departments, but we work we work in the Masters and also in the Bachelor of uh, Global Studies. Mm, no, that's really cool. And I think you were saying, so obviously you're within the school, but do your offerings extend to students outside of the Global Studies or language students? Yes, they do. So for example, the intercultural communication uh, units, they're offered to students who are located anywhere across Monash University, mm. so they don't have to even be arts faculty students. Mm. They can be students in any faculty, so Bizeco or medicine or MNHS, um, etc. And the reason for that is that Monash um, initiated the teaching of intercultural communication as a skill and as an area which was seen as one of need, for mm. example. People who are graduating from respective um, disciplines, when they enter the workplace, they need to know how to how to work with people who have different cultural backgrounds to those of their own, mm. um, and to recognise difference, to look at themselves, to re to evaluate what their own cultural notions and values are, and if there are differences, how to negotiate, how to deal with difference, because this is a common workplace issue, mm. where it's not only what we know, but how we know how to work with others. Um, Definitely soft, soft skills. So that's one of the that's really the that area which is open to all students across Monash University. Definitely, there's so many cross-disciplinaries and so many things you can gain and benefit from that stuff. And I think too is for language students, you know, a lot of people who are wanting to get into a language or begin to start taking one at Monash, they're like, why can't I just learn the language? Why do I have to learn the culture? I just want to speak. I want to go there and speak. But really cultural understanding is so important. And I really feel like the Monash Intercultural Lab really focuses on that. Can you elaborate on why it is so important that culture is such a key part of um, the teaching here at Monash? I'll give a very brief anecdote. Uh, you can learn a language and acquire it very well, and you can speak perfectly, grammatically perfect, um, perfectly constructed sentences, have very good pronunciation, have a very good understanding of the language, etc. 
But if you actually don't know how to interact with people, if you don't know how to tell a joke or understand a joke, if you don't know how to take the floor or how to uh, relinquish the floor when you're speaking with someone, if you don't know how to hold yourself, your body posture, etc., how long you can talk before you're starting to get on people's nerves, etc., how you actually put forward an argument or um, a particular viewpoint, then no matter how good your linguistic skills are, if you're unable to do those things, you're not going to be able to function effectively. I'm hearing, I'm talking here about spoken interactions, but really the same applies also to even texts, written texts. So, for example, if you want to write a letter, if you want to write an email, if you actually write a job application form, etc., in another language, you need to know not only the linguistic forms appropriate to that written text, but how you set it out, how you address someone, what you put first. Do you use um, the first first person pronoun I, uh, etc. So that's that's enabling students to learn not only um, to learn how to use the language in in contexts in a successful way, so that they don't encounter miscommunication or misunderstanding or negative responses. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like if a student is really wanting to study overseas or engage in the language that they're being taught, or, and I imagine, especially in, you know, the line of interpreta- interpretation and translating, that is a really vital thing that you need to understand. That's right. Um, the interpreters have to replicate, for example, what a person has said or signed into another language. And as you probably know, languages don't line up one-to-one in no. their in their uh, sequencing and the way they do things. So It's, it's not never si- word for word. It's never word for word. So you can't just swap one word for another. You mm. have to grab the meaning, understand what that person has said, and then render it into the other language so that you've captured the same meaning. Even if your words are in different order, or even slightly different, so be it, because your, your task is to replicate the meaning. And you also need to do it to replicate how the person intended that message to be. Was it a compliment? Mm-hmm. Uh, was it a disagreement? Uh, was it an interjection? And was it done politely, not so politely? And you have to, in your interpretations, pitch them in a way that matches what the person intended as well. Mm-hmm. Because if you distort that, if you change the tone or the pitch or the intonation so that it sounds differently to the the person receiving your interpretation, you're actually distorting what another person has said. Mm. Um, and that's what you can't do or shouldn't do. No. That's not good practice. No, absolutely. And so obviously with gaining these skills, someone's got to start somewhere. So for like, let, let's start undergraduate. How, like, what do you offer for undergraduate students? Are there certain units, overseas opportunities or work experience or where can they start their journey with this? So they can start their journey. Uh, we certainly inst- uh, strongly encourage students to to study a language, whether that's a language which they've perhaps studied at VCE or wherever they've come from, Australia or internationally, at um, at the end of high school to continue it, or if they wish to study a new a, a language from scratch to do so, either an Asian or European language. Uh, we have eight which are taught, or over eight in 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 our school at the undergraduate level. As I said, with the Bachelor of Global Studies, that. Most of the students in that include the study of one language, but not all, and we strongly encourage them to. But alongside that, there's a whole lot. Um, look, I won't list them now, but I there's there's international studies, uh, and an aspect of the the the, the um, Bachelor of Global Studies is that it includes at least one semester which is undertaken overseas at a partner university. Um, Monash has a very strong focus on the experience that students have that they do spend some time out of Australia. 
uh, and that's a built-in part of the of the uh, Bachelor of Global Studies. Um, so that's that's one attribute, and it's it's proven to be a very successful course. Um, so that's that's what our offerings are mainly at the undergraduate end of things. Mm. And I want to reiterate too that whilst I'm studying like a Bachelor of Arts and doing a language through that. There's so many opportunities if you just have elective spaces as well to really participate because the language faculty, the languages, literature, culture and linguistics faculty is there's so many amazing staff and you will not have a bad time. I can promise you that. And for people who are a little bit further on in their tertiary education and in um, the post for postgraduate students, um, I know there's the Masters of Interpretation and Translation, but is there other things aside from that or you can speak on that as well? In, in MIL, so the multi, uh, Monash Intercultural Lab, the, we only have one master's program and, and I teach into it. That's the Monash Interpreting Translation Studies mm-hmm. uh, master's. The um, We do have in other, in our uh, school, uh, the master's in applied linguistics. We also have the master's in tourism. To come back to the master's I teach into, mm-hmm. that um, is open to graduates who have a major in, mm-hmm. in a language. Um, they don't have to come from Monash, but often they do. The questions that students can sometimes ask themselves are, what are the prospects that there's a job out there for me? Mm. And what I can say, and I'm not exaggerating, we have uh, of our graduates each year, at least half to three quarters gain jobs within the translation and interpreting sector. We work closely with employers. We have very close relations with key industry partners. Uh, if you have a look at the Mill website and our industry list, you can see uh, about 25 industry partners mm. and um, a practicum or an internship is a part of our, um, of our course. So there are lots of opportunities for people, if they wish to undertake the MITS, the Masters in Interpreting and Translation Studies, to work in the area that they've just been trained in. Mm. So many people, as I said, who are undertaking a, a major in languages might think, do I want to become a teacher? Do I want to do what do I want to do? This is a career pathway that is viable and that does that can secure a graduate's mm. employment. Which I think is so reassuring because as I've been, if anybody else has been listening to the other interviews that I've done, a huge thing that so many people are worried about is artificial intelligence taking over. And I don't know if you're familiar. Have you ever read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by, yes, and the Babel fish? Yes, Everyone's yes. worried that that Babel fish will eventually come to reality and the translators and interpreters are going to be like out of jobs. And um, can you speak on that about how that is just not going to happen? <laughs> Well, it will replace people to an extent, and mm. I think AI will replace lots of tasks and even some jobs or many mm. jobs. And people are using it. Why wouldn't they? Because it's free, it's available. So you can, and the quality of translations through automatic trans, uh, translation tools like Google Translate or others has been steadily increasing. But mm. it depends on quite a few things. If you're dealing with written texts, um, particularly legal ones, medical ones, uh, scientific ones, it's fantastic. Mm. If you're dealing with transcripts of, of let's say, um, spoken language, it's not so good. Yeah. If you're dealing with colloquialisms, if you're dealing with any lit- anything literary or stylistic, let's say, journalism text, or um, it has pr- it often has problems because there's a lot of – the AI is not s- – at present, savvy enough to cope with those types of really sophisticated genres and registers. Mm. What I'm trying to say is that interpreters and translators need to know how to know what AI does. Mm. 
to make their jobs easier. Mm. And that includes preparation for assignments, to have a, a laptop in front of you if you're at a conference, which is providing you perhaps even with a voice recognition um, transcript of what the speaker is saying, mm. so that you've got not only you know, a, um, a verbal audio input, but also written in text in, in front of you. Those types of things are tools for interpreters and translators to do their job better and qu more quickly in the case mm. of translators. I don't think they'll completely replace all human beings. Um, there are some people who are losing their jobs, particularly in Europe where, let's say, the predominance of English now has mm. led to fewer jobs for interpreters and translators. But I don't see it replacing us completely. So you have yeah. to embrace it and work with it. Mm. And to style I mean, localization, what I mean by that is that if a marketing company has a particular pitch for a particular market, they actually want to speak to people to know what do people want mm. to see, what are they attracted by, etc. And in tra translators working or translating marketing materials of, of stuff produced overseas can work in this area to create a text which is pitched at a, at a new market which is appropriate to it. Mm. And AI tools just can't do things, like, I don't yeah. believe yet. So um, I think that there's, it's interesting to, to you know, watch this space. It is, same. it is, it's very, it's very developing, but I think um, regardless of how of, like efficient AI gets, I feel there will always still be a need for people to speak another language and understand, especially the cultural component to fully grasp certain, like, I mean, I can speak from personal experience where I've read a French translation from French to English, and then I read the French book in its proper language. And there's just, a, it's a different feeling and a yeah, different vibe yeah. that you can't quite get across in another language. So, um, and I think, as someone who is also actually interested in the masters of interpretation and translation, one of the things that's been um, said to me that's very exciting is that you actually have partner universities, I believe, overseas for certain languages. Did you want to talk a bit about that? Because I feel like as a language student, that's what's so cool and unique about this masters at Monash. That's right. So if uh, relating to French, we have a relationship with um, the University of Lyon. Um, so what that means is that if you want to study translation, you can study two semesters at Monash and two semesters in Lyon. Uh, and after the four semesters, you can come away with not only a, ma a Monash uh, master's, but also a master's from the University of Lyon. Um, and that makes you entirely marketable, particularly in Europe. If your first language is English, and you're interested in working in Europe, you will be snapped up very quickly as a native speaker of English, as a trained translator with two master's degrees. You have you know, a lot of attributes which are really sought after. Um, but in addition to French, we have also um, a relationship with a, uh, the university, the, the, um, the City University of Foreign Studies in Kobe in Japan for Japanese English students. We have uh, a relationship with the University of Bologna in uh, Italy in regards to Italian. And for Chinese students, we have two things. We teach our masters, in fact, at Monash Suzhou campus, uh, which is a, a large city in China's really uh, one of China's educational centers, uh, not far from Shanghai. Mm -hmm. And we also have, uh, we have relationships with the top Chinese universities, namely Beijing Foreign Studies University, Shanghai International Studies University, and two other universities. So students can actually spend a year at those universities studying in their masters mm -hmm. in interpreting and translation studies programs and gain uh, in-country experience there. So there's, um, there's a lot of prospect for, for people who wish to spend some of their study time overseas in the mm -hmm. masters. 
So many, so many opportunities. Do you have any parting words to students, whether they're already deep in their language journey at Monash or whether they're just thinking about picking one up? Any parting words? My parting words are that um, languages bring more than just the enjoyment, which they do bring, the stimulation, the the curiosity about finding out how different peoples or groups uh, express themselves and how things are organised. But there's also a tangible thing which relates to your employment skills. Regardless of if you don't want to do a major in languages, if you have proficiency in other language, that is a key attribute for whatever you are as an accountant or as a teacher or as a marketing person, what have you. So this is something which I strongly encouraging, encourage students to, to have as part of their repertoire of subjects um, at Monash. And um, LLCL and our program is one which welcomes students too mm. to be able to do that. Absolutely. And thank you so much for your time and coming in, Jim. And to everyone listening at home, we still have some more music stuff coming up, so don't forget to stay around. Thanks so much for listening.